This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Football season's finally underway, and if you play fantasy football, the odds are you probably already hate your team and you wish you could draft all over again. Well, on FanDuel, you can draft a new team every single week. Myself, I'm pretty pumped. I placed in a 50-50 with guys like Tyreek Hill, Alvin Kamara, and Patrick Mahomes. Now you, if you're not a fantasy expert, then FanDuel is still exactly the place where you want to play. FanDuel has something for everyone, and there are more ways to win than ever before. And new users get a $20 bonus when they make their first deposit on FanDuel. So come play with me at FanDuel.com slash CBS Sports. That's FanDuel.com slash CBS Sports. How in the world did that whole thing come to be? Well, I got a phone call, and uh, they asked me if I would uh, help participate in this smack-off thing. I said, sure, let's do it. So they kind of gave me the script, <clears throat> and then it came out to the house. Your house? Yes. You hosted yeah. clones at the house. You did this. Yeah. Uh, it was fun, and I'm glad that, you know, it helped the smack-off. This is the Jim Rome Podcast, and this is episode 550. If it sounds like I'm pumped, it's because I am. And because 5-0 is a hell of a big number, I'm going to take this opportunity to run down one of my all-time idols, my favorite guy growing up, a guy that I really looked up to, Ron Say. Now, I've made no secret of this. Ron Say was my guy as a kid growing up in the 818. Loved everything about the Penguin. Loved the way he played. Loved his toughness. Loved his grit. Ron Say was a six-time All-Star. He was one-fourth of the longest-running infield in the history of Major League Baseball. Bill Russell, Davey Loeb, Steve Garvey, and the Penguin. They were anchors on a Dodgers team that won four pennants and the 1981 World Series where he was named the Fall Classics co-MVP. And I'm still not even sure I'm over the fact that they sent him to the Chicago Cubs back in the day. The Penguins all-class, a tremendous guy. He has lived an incredible life, and I am pumped that he's made the trip to visit me in my studio for this sit-down conversation. Episode 50 of the Jim Rohn Podcast with Ron Say starts right now. So we go to episode number 50 of the Jim Rohn Podcast, and I'm extremely excited about this. I'm really fired up for this. And a little background first. Now, I get this all the time. Hey, Rome, who is your favorite team? Hey, Rome, what is your favorite sport? Rome, what is your favorite athlete? And I always say the same thing. I do not pay, play favorites. I do not have a favorite team. I do not root for anybody or anything other than something to talk about because I have three hours of content to fill every single day. So my favorite team is team content. However, this is not the way it was when I was growing up. I would never end up in a business like this if I didn't have a great passion for sports. So growing up in Los Angeles, I did have favorites. I had a favorite team. I had a favorite athlete. I had an idol. My idol and favorite athlete growing up is seated right beside me in the studio, a 17-year major leaguer, a six-time All-Star, a World Series MVP, a Los Angeles Dodger, and a great Ron Say. Now, as long as we've been doing this, 
I have to say, Ron, you and I maybe have sat down once or twice over the years, but certainly never like this. I have to say, it is great to see you in the studio. Thank you very much. And how is life? How are things? Well, thanks for having me. It, it has been a while, and we do have a history. And uh, <laughs> uh, but it's uh, it uh, th- things are good. Uh, you know, I'm a I'm a grandfather these days. I I still work for the Dodgers. I started working in the O'Malley. Uh, era uh, and passed through to Murdoch, McCourt, now the Guggenheim partners. And uh, so here we are. I've got three grandkids, more, one more on the way in the next couple of weeks, so I'm excited about that. Well, I don't know where the time goes. That's amazing to me that you're a grandfather. And, I mean, as we sit here, Ron, you're, you're 70 now, right? I am 70. Where does the time go? I mean, I feel like... I mean, I'm 53 and you're 70, and I think about my childhood. I mean, growing up in Los Angeles and in the San Fernando Valley in the 60s and 70s the way I did, watching the Dodgers was an absolute blast. I mean, it was one of the greatest things ever. What was it like for you to not only live that Major League dream, but to do it with the Dodgers and to play at Chavez Ravine? You know, uh, somebody wrote a pretty good script. Yeah, right. Um, My childhood dream. Uh, as a young boy, was to become a Major League Baseball player. And there was a lot of waiting time in between. Uh, I think I had this uh, epiphany when I was about seven or eight years old. And, of course, a lot of kids do have these things. But uh, I, uh, I, I pretty much dedicated uh, myself to, uh, to having this thing come to fruition. And I weathered a lot of storms, and I played everything else too, but baseball was really the one that I felt like I had a chance in. And so I got that opportunity. Uh, I was drafted by the Mets out of high school. I took my baseball scholarship and went to Washington State. Signed two years later. Uh, the law, the draft laws were a little bit different back, back then. Signed with the Dodgers when I was 20. And I uh, got my first uh, big league appearance when I was uh, 23. And... Uh, uh, ran into Tom Lasorda, who kind of took me under his wing and nurtured all the other players that you heard about. But it was a, it was a, a dream come true that has uh, gone full circle now. I've uh, been 30 years retired. Uh, dream, reality, now it's a dream again. But uh, it was a, a great pleasure, uh, an honor to be a Dodger. Uh, we had four World Series appearances in the 10 years that I was there. Um and we were world champions. We had all-star caliber players at every position. We had the longest running and most successful infield by fact in major league history, not the greatest, but the most successful. And we also had the first 30 home run foursome uh, in baseball that year uh, in 1977. So we did a lot of real special things when we were there and uh, it wouldn't have been uh, the way that I look at it now, if all those things wouldn't happen, it kind of would have been a job. And I never really looked at my uh, my playing career as a job. Best job ever. You know, you, there's so many things you just mentioned that I want to ask you about. But when you talk about the World Championship in 1981, you went up against the Yankees, and they had gotten you in 77. And 78, you get that next shot in 81. But you fell behind in that series two games to none. What were you thinking when you were down two games to none in that series? Well, um, obviously, we've got uh, our backs against the wall one more time. But I think we felt pretty confident. You know, it's not like we uh, weren't healthy or we weren't playing well or it was someplace that we hadn't been before and we're trying to find our way. Uh, we just got off on the wrong foot. And uh, I remember uh, we had lost the second game in New York and we had two buses, one for the family and one for the team. And uh, 
we well, I went on the second bus with the wives and of course when the players started walking on the bus they uh, you know the wives kind of put their heads down you know they don't want to you know be too happy about things it's you know kind of a somber moment and I kind of just stood in the middle of the aisle and I said ladies uh, get your heads up you're going to come back and you're going to shop in New York in about a week <laughs> we're going to be fine and so we went home and uh, then we won three games in a row uh, took the series back to New York, uh, swept the four-game series from that point. Uh, the dream became a reality. Here we are. Uh, it was the last game that the infield played together. Davey Lopes went on to uh, Oakland, I believe. After that, Steve Sachs came in and played second base, and the rest of the infield stayed one more year. And then uh, Garvey and I left in uh, 1983, January of 83. And he went to San Diego, and I went to uh, Chicago Cubs. Listen, there's a lot in there, too. I mean, you kind of glossed over that, but the middle part of that series is kind of strange because it's all coming back to me. And I can tell just sitting with you, your recall is amazing about these things. But, you know, I watch everything right now like a paid professional. I'm supposed to be objective. But, but again, back then, and I can say this, you were my guy. I was invested emotionally. I loved the Dodgers. I loved you. I can remember that game three, how hyped I was when you hit that shot off Dave Rigetti, right? Mm. Bottom of the first, three-runner, I think. Mm. Man, I, I, that was awesome because you were down two games to none, and you always had that, that knack, that flair. You came through big on the big stage. What do you remember about that moment and that at bat? You know, uh, we started off, Lopes, Lopes got on, Russell followed. Uh, then we had uh, Baker, Garvey, and myself coming up. And uh, uh, Bake, Bake struck out, Garvey popped up foul ground and now I'm saying you know wow here we are you know great scoring opportunity uh, big inning possibility now now there's really nothing else to get but get to get a hit and I was battling Rigetti and uh, first time I saw him and I I, uh, before I hit the pitch before I hit the home run I hit a breaking ball I wrapped it around the foul pole and so now I'm saying okay well (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that was close. But he came right back, and I came right back, and then we I got a three-run home run and put us ahead. And Fernando was pitching, and he pitched a complete game. And uh, there was a defensive play that I had to make to get us out of this one jam uh, in a bunning situation in foul ground. I made a diving catch, and we doubled up the runner, and we got out of the inning. But it ended up being a one-run game, and, of course, Fernando pitched the whole way. Uh, gutsy, gutsy performance. Uh, but uh, it was one of those uh, uh, one-run games that we had three in a row. Right. <laughs> we won. So it was tough all the way. The Yankees battled us uh, extremely well, and uh, we were fortunate that the uh, once the series got back to New York, we had a blowout win and uh, made it kind of real sweet. Well, Game 5, of course, was a moment that all Dodger fans, in fact, all baseball fans that era are going to remember. Goose Gossage beans you, and Goose, of course, he could run up there near 100. All right. And he would later say after that game, he was concerned. He said, I thought I killed him. I mean, it was terrifying. Ron, do you have any recollection of the at-bat? I, I do. You do? I do, yeah. It's kind of, it's a little bit of a story. Sure. Tell uh, me, if you well, don't mind. Uh, I, you know, I was uh, hanging in there on the pitch. And I thought it might be, a, you know, a slider, a late-breaking slider. So I hung in there. And I wasn't wearing an ear flap at the time. Uh, different rules. And... 
ball just kind of disappeared on me. So in that last split second that I had, I just kind of ducked my head a bit and it caught just on the bill of my hard hat. But my hard hat went one hop the stands and or one hop the uh, visitors dugout and went into the stands, I'm told. And when I turned around, I saw the uh, the usher where you would come out between the, the two gates that would open up for sure. the umpires. Now we don't have that. We have the uh, dugout seats. And it was uh, Tommy Hutton's father. Hmm. Tommy Hutton was a former Dodger that I played with and through the minor leagues. And I remember falling in, slowing, in slow motion, and I'm saying, here's there's Tommy Hutton's dad. Wow. And so now I'm down, and Bill Bueller, our trainer, comes rushing out, and I kind of have my hands on my head, and I'm saying, Bill, just tell me if there's anything wrong up here. And uh, he said, no, everything's fine. Uh, we're good, but just sit here for a minute. How do you feel? And I said, uh, you know, I'm, everything's kind of slow. And so it ended up, uh, you know, they picked me up, and I walked off, and I was wearing this turban with, the, with ice on it and had to go to Sentinel Hospital for all the tests after the game. But um, it, it was very strange. Um, I, I really... This was the first time that I really felt like I didn't know what was going on. Hmm. You know, when you break a bone as an athlete, you kind of know. It's you, you. You have this, this, this relationship with your body that it's kind of hard to talk to about other people who don't. But you know when things are wrong. And uh, this was one time where I, I didn't know. It wasn't a bone. It was the brain. Oh no, yeah. So here we are. So they did two two tests: a CAT scan, and then they did an MRI. And uh, about. Halfway through the second test of the MRI, where they inject a, a dye into your system and then they, they get a better look at anything that could possibly be wrong, uh, this this m motion of coming back, going in, coming back was now stopped about halfway through. And nobody said anything. And the neurologist is right over here from me and there's nobody else in the room. And I'm in this few moments, I'm saying, oh, my God, you know, something's wrong. Something's got to be wrong here. He's not, not, not talking to me. No, you know, so I, I just yelled out. I said, okay, you know, what's wrong? What's going on? And he opens the door and he pops on. He says, sorry, I, he says, there's nothing wrong. There, I'm just double checking these pictures up to this point. We're going to be done with, in a couple minutes and then we'll, we'll be good. So uh, everything turned out fine, but it scared me for a moment. And then when we were completed with the tests, I went back home. And then I had to go back to the hospital the next day because the team was already back in New York. And I had to go through the final tests of this, and then I was going to get on a plane and fly to Newark. And uh, we got cleared. But today's protocol, I'm done. Yeah, I was going to say right that. There. What was the concussion protocol back then? That was game five, and you played game six, right? Yeah. yeah. And uh, I came out of the game after we blew it open in the sixth, fifth or sixth inning. And I had a little ball hit to me, a little humpback liner, and uh, the ball came at me like a fu fuzzy tennis ball. And I said, you know what? I'm not going to take any more chances. We got a nice lead here. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to be, uh, I'm going to turn this over. And uh, if, if worse comes to worse, I'll be able to play Game Seven. But um, I would, I don't know what I would have done with myself if if we had had a protocol. It was left up to me. You and made that call. I made the call. And Lasorda's following me around the whole day that we were there. What was he saying? 
How, how do you feel? How do you feel? How You're do you fine, feel? Penguin. How do you You're feel? fine, Penguin. I'm saying, Tommy, I said, just <laughs> leave me alone, please. I've got things I got to do here. I haven't even taken batting practice yet. I got a new helmet I've got to put on. So what was it like when you got back in the box? I mean, you you got hit in the head by a fastball approaching 100 miles an hour, and then a couple of nights later, you're back in the box in the World Series. What's it like to get back in the box after something well, like that? You know, I, I honestly felt like I was going to be okay simply because I didn't get hurt like a Billy Canigliero did. Right, right. Or a Dickie Thon. Um, you know, that's massive damage there. Their, their faces were caved Tony down. Canigliero, right? Did I say? You said uh, Billy. I thought it was Billy. I, mean, I could be wrong. Well, the Red right? Sox? No, yeah, it was terrifying, though. He was a, a rookie was of the year. Boston. Who got right? hit in the face. Wasn't the Red that, Sox, yeah. It, was, it was terrifying. Is that Billy? Yeah. I was believe it. Tony or Billy, you could be right. But he, um, he was never the same after that. No, he wasn't. And neither really Dickie was Dickie Thon. Right. Uh, so the fact that I didn't have that kind of an injury helped me you know, get through it. Uh, okay, I've got a concussion. I understand that. But I felt like I was going to be able to... Do it. I was given some uh, uh, a process of which they wanted me to go through when I was at Yankee Stadium that day early, and I went through all those tests and I didn't feel dizzy. But I got dizzy when Dusty Baker got a base hit to right center field. I had to go to first to third. This is the inning that we broke it open. Right. And then Guerrero hit a triple to the gap, and uh, uh, you know now we're rolling along pretty good. And in that last half inning was the ball that was hit to me. And I just said, you know what, I'm not going to mess this up. Don't want to mess this up. Um, and so we we cruised the west rest of the way, and uh, here we come, and uh, we're bringing the World Series back to uh, World Championship back to Los Angeles. And you finally got that one. So let me ask you this: you you had this great career. You played 17 years. You're a six-time All-Star. You have that ring. You have that championship. Nobody can ever take that from you. And you see a guy like Clayton Kershaw, who's just flat out one of the best to ever do it. He's an unbelievable gamer. He's an amazing pitcher. And there's always that yeah, but for him or other athletes, fair or not. I mean, do you feel like your career would have been different if you did not get that championship? Would you look at it differently? Would people see you differently? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I, true, I think, right? Yeah. I, I think you need to win. I, I, to, to put the final stamp on it, you, you, you've got to win. To be recognized as a, as a legend or a great player or whatever or, or uh, in higher regard, uh, you're, you're, you're always going to have to win, I believe. And, you know, I feel, I feel bad for Clay. You know, during, you know, the regular season, he's done just about everything up to the exception being this year when he's been hurt. And this is the third year in a row, so it's kind of hard to tell where this is going. But, you know, his bugaboo is the playoffs in the World Series and this World Series, the last one. Uh, but he's had a hard time, and he's had a hard time against the Cardinals. And he knows it. And uh, that's the thing. It's unfinished business for him. And I don't think he'll ever be able to really clear himself of that until he goes back and it has to kind of follow these circumstances. And guess what? The Cardinals are coming. They got them uh, tomorrow. And he's pitching in, in St. Louis tomorrow. And the Cardinals are one game up right now uh, over us in the wild card. And uh, we're fighting for two things, just like they are, the divisional championship and the wild card. So it's going to be a grueling four-game series in St. Louis. So why do you think it hasn't happened for him in the postseason? As an example, Billy Bean would always say, yeah, it's a crapshoot. It's a crapshoot. Anything can happen. Is it that or is it something else? Why has he not fared better in the postseason? 
Well, I think he's made some mistakes. Uh, obviously, they did not make uh, during the course of the regular season. I mean, he, his in-season performance are almost impeccable. I mean, his whip is probably one or less. You know, he's his winning percentage is huge. Um, <clears throat> and when he, uh, you know, had some issues and left-handed batters never hit home runs, and now the Cardinals are hitting left-handed home runs off him. Um, once again, it's just he knows it. He, he if, if 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 I walked in and said, "Hey, let's talk about it," he would know exactly what I'm saying because I I have felt that same way about things. You know, it's kind of unfinished business when you have, you know, you've gotten to this last place that you need to get to, <clears throat> and you're getting the door shut on you. And so it's it's something that he's going to have to deal with, and he he will at some point. He got better at it a little bit this last playoff series. Uh, that they had and in the World Series. But in the end, his playoff resume is not, you know, Hall of Fame worthy. Hmm. You know, it's funny. When you have a team and you live with that team, you know, it's often said, right, it's a long, long season, no matter where you are, and there are going to be issues. i, I got to take you back to this and, and tell me what you think. But when I think, <laughs> when I think about that Don Sutton-Steve Garvey scrap, mm. Ron, back in the day, and it all started because there was this piece in the Washington Post and understand the media back then was not like the media is right now. There's not social media now. But there was this piece in the Post, and Sutton just let it rip. And he said, quote, all you hear about on our team is Steve Garvey, the All-American boy, but Reggie Smith was the real MVP. We all know it. Smith has carried us the last two years. He is not a facade. He does not have the Madison Avenue image, end quote. I mean, that's an amazing thing back in the day, an amazing thing to read. What did you think when you read that column, and how did that column resonate with the rest of the clubhouse at that time? Um, you know, Don is, you know, was the elder statesman of our club at that time. You know, when we uh, uh, brought in all the uh, players uh, that Lasorda had nurtured, uh, you know, Don was still, the, you know, the, 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 the veteran uh, of the staff. And uh, he was pretty much, uh, you know, the leader of the club in, in many respects. Um, and so... You know, here's a guy that uh, decided to speak his piece, and I don't think anybody really uh, took took the fact that he felt that Reggie was, you know, that valuable uh, as something that was, uh, you know, off the wall. I mean, I'm, he was that good. Yeah, he was, and I, and I and I really have to go one step further. I think for the for the guys that I had played with for any length of time, I'm not talking about a year or two, you know, but four or five years or so, uh, Reggie was the most talented player I thought that right. I ever played with. I mean, yeah. he could switch hit, he could hit for power, uh, average, drive and run, steal some bases occasionally, good outfielder, great arm, um, you know, pretty much, wow, um, this kid. Fiery this, too, right? Yeah, right, yeah. This is not a guy that you want to have. You don't want to mess with him. Yeah, you don't want to have issues with Reggie. <laughs> yeah, but, um, you know, Jimmy Wynn was, you know, uh, when he came over in 1974, you know, he he lit us up too. You know, he, he had 30 home runs, drove in 100, scored 100, had 100 walks. Uh, wow, what a great season he had. Toy Cannon, and what a great guy. Um, so, I, you know, we we've had a lot of great players, and and uh, you know Sutton spoke his piece, and actually we were we were in New York at the time that this little scuffle happened. I didn't see it because we were uh, kind of in a rain delay, and we were warming up uh, down in the bullpen, and somebody had come down and said, "Okay, everybody into the clubhouse. We got a little melee going on in here." So, 
as it turns out, I think it was like a cat fight, uh, as they said. But, uh, you know, they they aired it out. And uh, at, at some point, you know, you 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 understand that when you're living with these guys for eight months, you know, you, you ride in the planes and the buses and you're in the clubhouse all day and you're rubbing shoulders with these guys everywhere that you're going to have some people that you get along with and some that you don't. So it's, you know, pretty typical. Um, you know, we were fortunate that, you know, we had such a great team that, that we left a lot of that behind. But when you're a team that's not playing well and you have no chance of making to the postseason and you get into the clubhouse in August, they're not happy. The food doesn't taste good. My uniform isn't washed well enough. You didn't clean my shoes good enough. Where's my luggage? Uh, you know, it just becomes kind of a, you know, a, a very uncomfortable situation. It's a great way to put it. <laughs> There's this one great quote, too. I don't know if it's true or not, but I could see where there might have been resentment of Garvey and Sutton, as you point out, was the senior statesman. He could be a little prickly as well. But there's a great story that Tommy John, who is an awesome guy, great guy, you know, stop the fight. They're going to kill each other. And Joe Ferguson just said, quote, good. <laughs> good, right? Yeah. Is that how it was? I don't know. I Like Isn't I said, I wasn't though? in the clubhouse at that time, but um, uh, Fergie's another guy that uh, actually was, uh, you know, one of our uh, one of our guys that you didn't want to uh, have odds with either because uh, I remember a minor league game that we were playing and Tom Pashorek and I both had to leave the game because we got plunked uh, in the elbow. And so it wasn't but an inning or two later where uh, we had uh, a brawl ensue and Fergie took out about four guys. Okay. So, no kidding. Uh, yeah, the, yeah, it was, you know, boom, boom, boom. And, you know, pretty much everybody's now pulling guys off, but Fergie done the, had done the damage. You know, it is in some baseball brawls. Guys are looking for somebody to dance with and make sure they get out the out of the dugout so they're covered. But every once in a while, things happen. More with the Penguin, Ron Say, right after this from Stamps.com. Now, obviously, these days, you can get practically anything you want on demand, like our podcast. You can listen whenever you want, when it's convenient for you. So let me ask you this. Why are you still taking trips to the post office to mail letters and packages when you can get postage on demand with Stamps.com? I use Stamps.com literally for everything. My entire family uses Stamps.com for anything at all. Important letters, packages, merchandise for the show, bills, any correspondence I have, Stamps.com is the way to go. Not only do I use it, and I'm suggesting that you use it, I wish I had started long before. It's that good. And right now, I've got a special offer for you. You want to make sure you use Rome for this offer. It includes up to $55, a free postage, and a digital scale, and a four-week trial. Go to Stamps.com. Do not wait. Go to Stamps.com, and before you do anything else, click on the radio microphone at the very top of the homepage and type in Rome. Once again, Stamps.com, enter Rome. The service is amazing. Go to Stamps.com and enter Rome. So this kind of brings us full circle. I, I mentioned that I grew up in the Valley, and you were my guy, and I'm still having a, a, just a great time just sitting here talking with you. And for the longest time, I did not share this story, but then I finally came public and clean with this. When I worked for a station that got the Dodger rights, they said to us as talent, share a recollection, share a story about the L.A. Dodgers. And having grown up as a fan, I guess I could have shared any story, 
but I felt pretty good about where I was in the business, and I thought, they can't come and get me. What could really happen? I'm just going to tell this story. I get my driver's license in the San Fernando Valley. I'm 16. I'm driving around maybe Woodland Hills, and I pull up behind what I think, Ron, is maybe a 280ZX, maybe a gold car with a vanity plate, 3B10. And I just, I break out in a cold sweat, like, oh my God, that's my guy. That's my guy. That's my idol. I grew up loving this guy. And for whatever reason, it's in my head. I'm going to meet him. I'm going to meet him. And I start following you around. And you look up in your rearview mirror like, oh, great, great. You start changing lanes. And and believe me, I was not this guy. Say what you want about me as a host, a talent, a personality. You don't know me. I don't know you. I was a shy kid. I was possessed. I'm changing lanes and you're changing lanes. And I'm like, I'm going to meet this guy. I follow you into a residential district. You pull over like an idiot. I get out of my car like, this is it. I'm just going to tell him you're my guy. I love you. I get out of my car. You hit the gas, man. You're gone up the hill, never to be seen from ever again. And it was a very humiliating moment, which I didn't understand so much at 16, but I do now at 53. And I never told anybody about that ever again until that one year at Dodger Stadium. And then you came up to me and you and I had never spoken. And you said, hey, Rome. I'm like, hey, Penguin, what's up? And you're like, yeah, I was listening to the show the other day. I'm like, really? Yeah, I heard that story. I'm like, what would you think about that? You said, I laughed my ass off. I don't know. I, it, me being in my position, if somebody did that to me, I would remember that. Do you have any recollection of some nut job following you around in the valley? Or maybe was that not as bad or out of the ordinary as I think it is, or it was worse? Well, I don't think you should uh, be too hard on yourself. <laughs> okay, here. good. Okay. I feel good I mean, hearing that. Um, I thought it was I thought it was kind of funny. Um, you know, here, it happens. Did, I, I, did that well, sort of thing happen? Well, first or of all, you got me. the car right. Okay. Right? Got the, you got the model, you got the license plate, you got the uh, the color, everything. Okay. Right? Okay. And, you know, a lot of times, you know, you, um, uh, you're driving down the freeway and you'll see people go by and they'll look at you and they'll smile or they'll wave and I'm saying, oh, is my door open? <laughs> You know, and then I realized that, you know, oh, okay, I got it now. But so it, it happens. Uh, it doesn't happen so much anymore, but it still happens. But for a young kid that was, you know, driving around and wanted to, yeah, it was funny. And, uh, you know, I, I I did what I thought I should have done at the moment. You did the right thing. <laughs> you did the right thing, man. You deked me. You did the right thing. And so you were gone, and I understand that. But I think you always had, because you understood what a time, I don't know if you're in it, if you understand it, but that, that was such a great time. And the amazing <clears throat> thing is, now we really come full circle, because now we've got this thing called the Smack Off. And it's an amazing day for my radio program, where once a year we have the best of the best compete for the best call. And there's this guy, Lef. And Lef was the two-time defending champ. And Lef RSVP'd for the event, but he RSVP'd with a video, which was amazing, where he got a bunch of celebrities to come on, and he ran down the likes of Holly Robinson, Pete, and Cato Kalin, and Bill Plaschke, all who have a connection to this program, but not really Cato Kalin. And then I'm watching this, and I have no idea, right, because I'm watching it live. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, here is Ron Say. And you show up, and you absolutely crush it. I want to play this for you. For those who missed it, this was your part of this video. Listen to this. Hi, Lef. Ron Say here. Hey, Lef, would you give Rome a message for me, please? Look, I changed my phone number so Jim would stop calling me, and I bought a new car so he'd stop following me. Heck, I even bought a new house so Rome would stop dropping by unannounced. So, Lef, could you do me a favor and give Jim this message? Would you tell Jim to stop sending his fan base out to stalk me? <laughs> oh, so you think this is funny? Yeah! Those who know this show, Ron, know exactly what that was all about. 
That was Randall from the OC, another character from the program. This is amazing to be even listening to it right now. I don't know the backstory on that. How in the world did that whole thing come to be? Well, I got a phone call, and uh, they asked me if I would uh, help participate in this smack-off thing. And uh, I said, sure, uh, let's do it. So they kind of gave me the script, <clears throat> and then it came out to the house. Your house? Yes, yes. <laughs> you hosted yeah. clones at the house. I you did, did this. Yeah. Man, and so uh, we, we had a great time with it. It was short and sweet. Uh, uh, it was fun, and I'm glad that, uh, you know, it helped us smack up. Oh, I know. It helped a lot. I mean, you crushed it. Now, these screwballs, they, uh, did they overstay their welcome? Were they no, well-behaved? No, no, no. They were fine. It, yeah, they were great, honestly. So it was fine. It was good. Yeah, it was fun. I had a good time doing it. Yeah, it was. Uh, they called me, and they made all the – said, we'll come to you. We'll write the script for you. We'll get it done in a short period of time, and – all came true. Much respect, much appreciation. All right, a few things. That was great. So we've come full circle. You mentioned going to the Cubs. Now, I don't know about this. Uh, that was after the 82 season. I did not handle that so well. I don't know how that hit you at the time, but again, I was a teenager, and I had a lot of trouble wrapping my head around the fact that you, a longtime Dodger, all of a sudden were being sent to the Cubs. What did you think about that trade at that time? Well, I was obviously disappointed. You know, I had uh, spoken to Peter O'Malley. Uh, we had a relationship that went a little bit further uh, than just the normal player and owner. And uh, it was more family back then. Uh, so we actually had, all our families had such a great time during the O'Malley era, especially in Vero Beach where we would go to spring training and we'd have a Christmas party where all the kids would be able to come in and play in the, in the snow that they brought in. Uh, it was a family atmosphere uh, uh, that just everybody loved that period of time that was going on. Um, and, um, I'm, for, I'm sorry. I, the, the original question was, was your reaction to the trade itself? Yes. Uh, so anyway, it was difficult because I had wanted to spend my entire career here and I had had this conversation one-on-one -on -one with Peter. We set up an arrangement where we went to lunch together and talked it out. And he said, you know, I just think it's in your best interest, you know, to, to, to move on. He said, you can stay here. But I know you want to play, uh, but, you know, we have a new young group coming in, and that was, you know, uh, they thought that they were going to repeat what they had done with our group. And, of course, that didn't quite match up, but it was the thing that they wanted to do. And, of course, Al Campanis was our general manager back then, and he was always the one who kind of told you in so many words that, you know, once you got near mid-30s that, you know, it's better to trade you too early than too late. So uh, after speaking with, <clears throat> excuse me, Peter, um, I realized that, uh, and he said, and I'll do everything that I can to make sure you're placed and, we'll, you know, we'll work together on this. And so uh, the Chicago Cubs and Dallas Green came forward. Dallas came over from the Philadelphia Phillies, and we had new ownership back then, the Tribune Company. And so it was a new era of baseball in Chicago. Um, and uh, Dallas and I had sat down, and he made me some promises that he was going to try to make uh, this club very competitive in a short period of time, and he lived up to his end of the bargain. Uh, uh, 1984, uh, the Chicago Cubs won the uh, 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 National League uh, Division Championship, and uh, back then it was only two teams go forward, uh, National League East and West. And so, um, you know, and as far as the transition from being traded the first time, you know, my wife was from Chicago, so we had family there. And so that made it pretty easy. And uh, 
they were Cub fans. And so going from, and the kids loved it because, you know, we're playing day games and now we got nights off and, you know, it was just a completely a downtown atmosphere uh, rather than a valley atmosphere. Uh, nice change of pace for them. But uh, uh, I, I enjoyed my uh, time in Chicago. Uh, it wasn't a, a, a great start for me, uh, but things managed to work out. And, uh, you know, it, it was a wonderful time to be able to see another city uh, that hadn't had a championship in years and years and years. And the press would come to my locker in, in early September, and we've got a nice lead over a very talented New York Met team at that time. And uh, they came saying, oh, my God, you know, what? what's going on here? I mean, we've got like a six-game lead. Are we going to be able to do this? And I'm saying, listen, I've done this a few times. This feels really good. We're healthy. We're playing well. There's no reason why we shouldn't be able to do this. So then they come in in the next week, and it's another repeat. Oh, my God, are you guys going to be able to hang on? It's been 39 years since they had sure. touched any kind of glory there. So we were able to pull it off, and we had a big celebration. And when we came back, I think it was from Pittsburgh, where we clinched it, um, the airport was loaded. And this is not the time where we had security, remember? Mm -hmm. I mean, sure. pretty much Rome free here. Yeah. And uh, so it was crazy. The city of Chicago was absolutely going crazy. And so hooray for Cub fan. Now it's not just something to do. Now, you know, you've got an emotional attachment now. My team is winning. And they didn't know what to do with it other than embrace it. And then from you that point this, on. This is what you did. You were used to it. But they, this was all new to them. Yeah, absolutely. But, uh, you know, it, it, the, the only thing that uh, turned out poorly from that is the fact that we lost in the final game of the NLCS. And uh, I think we would have been a better matchup for the, uh, the Detroit than, than San Diego was. But uh, we won't know the answer to that one. So we come full circle then again. So, Dan, this, I mean, you mentioned your grandfather now, and you had a couple of sons, or I've got two sons who played baseball. You've got a son, Dan, who came up in the Valley. I know he went to El Camino High School. He earned a scholarship at Berkeley. I know you were proud of that. He made it all the way to AAA ball. God, what was that What was that journey and that experience like to see your boy come up and play ball the way he did and I, play pro ball? Yeah, it was just really a great treat. Um, I didn't put any pressure on him at all. It's just something that, you know, he's <clears> – <throat> He would, he would be, especially when uh, we got to Chicago, although he had spent a number of spring trainings, but as a little kid in Vero Beach, um, <clears throat> he's now seven years old when I'm going to the Cubs, and you know he's in spring training. He's got his uniform on every day. He's riding the buses to the, to the exhibition games. He's hanging out in the dugout, dugout with us and the clubhouse. When we get to Chicago, he had a group of kids that he used to hang out with, and they would shag, and they would take orders at lunchtime and run over to McDonald's, which is right out the side entrance of... What a life. Right. He just said, this is great. And, you know, he, at, at 8 o'clock in the morning, <clears throat> he is um, tugging on me, saying, and he's dressed in his uniform already, saying, let's go to the ballpark, Dad. I said, I said Daniel, I said, listen, we, we, we don't need to go at 8 o'clock in the morning right now. It's, it's good. We're going to be going soon. <clears throat> Excuse me. And so one, uh, uh, th this one day uh, comes up where he said he needed meal money. He said he needed $5.01. $5.01. $5.01. And I said, why 501 And he says, well, he says, this is what I get, and it comes to 501 every day. And I said, okay, so here's your 501. 
And so I reminded him at that point, I said, do you know that when I first started playing baseball, my meal money was $3 a day? <laughs> You're pretty Here young. we are. Here right. we are. And then so, you know, and, and with, with all the other kids uh, uh, that would go over and help uh, take the orders from the players, um, they would tip them. So he would pocket the 501, and he would, uh, you know, have the tips to do whatever he wanted. Smart to. kid. Oh yeah, he used to. Th- he used to. Uh, he used to give away baseballs too. Ah. Yeah, yeah. He used to, and and, and broken bats. Good kid. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good kid. He worked it no, out. He, he had a ball. He had a ball, and and uh, it, it came to a point where uh, uh, he went to Cal Berkeley. Uh, on his scholarship, he was drafted out of high school, but he decided to do kind of the same thing that I did, and uh, it was the right choice. I think he was the 67th player taken in the 1996 draft, mm. and um, ha- played uh, in the Minnesota organization uh, with uh, uh, Doug Mankiewicz, uh, uh, Torrey Hunter, David uh, Ortiz. Um, a few other players, uh, JD, uh, J, Przinsky, uh, uh, AJ Przinsky, AJ Przinsky, an all timer boy. Yeah. You ever spend any time with that guy? <clears throat> what a nut <clears throat> in a good way. And, uh, so, you know, he climbed the ladder with those guys and, uh, was in spring training with the big club. Uh, and after he'd had a good year in spring, tr- in triple uh, a, and they sent him back to triple a. And about two months later, he just said, you know what? I'm, I, uh, I just, uh, have lost myself in this. I just don't have the same desires anymore. Um, was that know. hard for you as a father? How did that sound? Um, I was disappointed for him. I, I, it didn't hurt me. I said, I'm sorry that the game wasn't as good to you as it was to me. And um, I, I said, if, if this is your decision, then don't play another day for me. Uh, do what you need to do. And if you need me to come and get you, I will. Hmm. And uh, um, he called me and he said that he would think about it a little bit longer. And when he did, uh, he said that uh, he was going to, you know, shut it down. So uh, he, can't, he did, and uh, I supported him. I said, listen, I, I understand. Uh, so let's, let's uh, try to move forward and do the best we can with this. So final thought, he is now working at my alma mater, Calabasas High School, where he's been for a few years and he's coaching. How is he doing there, and how's that baseball program at my alma mater in the Valley? Uh, well, it's, it's doing much better. Last year, they, uh, they advanced. They won, their, they, they won the Marymount uh, uh, Championship. They shared it, that title with uh, uh, Newberry Park. And uh, they went and got to the uh, third round of the CIF playoffs mm. and lost to Jay Sarah, which ended up not Jay Sarah, um, Beckman. And uh, they, Beckman was. Can I say about Beckman? So my kids go to university high school. We know all about Beckman out here. Yeah, Beckman's tough. A lot of money. Yeah. A lot of yeah. support. That's tough. Yeah, and they ended up I didn't up know losing. they got Calabasas. Yeah, they, they lost. Uh, I think they lost that game 4-2. Uh, to two. And Beckman ended up losing. I think they, had the, the they had three kids drafted. They had those three yeah, kids. Yeah, they had that the shortstop kid. Shortstop right. kid was drafted. Mm-hmm. But anyway, they've been uh, improving their program um, uh, each and every year for the last four or five years now. And so, along with the rest of the school, which is you know their football program's gotten better. You you mentioned that the tennis program was the uh, the the best program on campus when you were in school. Of course, it was. <laughs> <laughs> and the basketball program has improved too. So uh, the school's got a new facility, great new looking football uh, field. Uh, 
basketball facility. So they're on the up and up, and he's having fun there. He teaches, uh, he gives lessons, he has camps, he has uh, uh, travel teams. Uh, you know, so it's, uh, he has a lot of fun with that. It's his passion. Boy, sports been so good to the Say family. It's been a great baseball life. And Penguin, you just can't you can't shake me. I'm 53 years old, and I'm still calling you Penguin. And you're still my idol. Your kids at my alma mater in high school. You're still in the Valley, 818 for life. I knew we'd come full circle again. I mean, what a great time. What a well, great glad, time. I'm glad you're not calling me something else. You know? No, no, I would never and, do that. Uh, no, you, you are respect. You're my guy. <laughs> I would never do that. And plus, we all do dumb things when we're young, like call people things that are not their name or follow their idols around when you're 16 in a car. But I appreciate you forgiving me for that. It's so good to come together. I really appreciate that, Ron. You're taking all this time and spending this time on this podcast. What a great day that is. Well, thank you, Jim. I appreciate uh, you having me here, and I had a great time with you. Hey now, building professionals, you want to listen up. If you're a contractor, a builder, or a remodeler, Lumber Liquidators Pro Plus is the only partner you're ever going to need for all of your flooring needs. With special pro-only pricing and dedicated support, LL Pro Plus will help you get your flooring jobs done quickly and profitably. Are you worried about selection and availability? Do not be. Lumber Liquidators has over 150 million square feet of flooring available with over 100,000 square feet in stock in most stores and they stock professional grade adhesives underlayment molding tools fasteners and grout so you can get exactly what you need when you have to have it if you're too busy to pick up your flooring that's also not a problem because the ll pro plus team will deliver it right to your job and with ll pro plus you can even get a business line of credit so put the ll pro plus flooring experts on your team right now visit your local lumber liquidator store or lumberliquidators.com slash pro sales today once again lumberliquidators.com slash pro sales bam just like that the half century mark 50 pods, and I could not be happier than to ding that milestone with Ron freaking Say, my childhood hero and an all-time awesome dude. Hope you enjoyed that conversation as much as I did. Listen, while you're here, let me tell you all about our new project we're working on. It's another podcast. This one, I'm co-hosting with two-time Super Bowl champ Trevor Price. It's called RPO. Rome Price Opinion. We've already dropped episode one, and you should go check that out right now. It's live. Live and fast-paced, hardcore, and all NFL podcast. And it's on all the same platforms that this one is on. So go find that and get subscribed, because every single Monday, we're going to break down the NFL like nobody else can. As always, I appreciate your support on all the different side hustles. Let's keep the content machine churning. Speaking of machines, my voicemail machine is blinking, so let me get that out of the way, and I will see y'all next week. First new message. Romy, it's Holmy. Been saving you guys seats at the high school volleyball matches for weeks now, and are you guys ever going to show the F up? Damn it. Message deleted. Next message. What's up, Rome? It's Dr. Dave. It was great having you on the wood scope that made all the clones really, really good, good Message deleted. Next message. Hey, Rome, doggy dog. Leave your name. I ain't leaving shit, dog. You know my name. Hey, dude. Check this out, doggy dog. The fellow was like, you know, my legal 12 wood, right? He's like, hey, dude, do the video. I mean, actually, you know what? I'll be honest. Hey, 12 wood. I'm the real bro. I didn't see your message till later. Yeah, I'm kicking. I'm waiting for my female to come, eh? But I'm just talking shit because I had nothing better to do. Later, dog. Message saved.
Next message. Hey, Romy, this is Matt from the 352. Uh, new clone. Hey, uh, props on your podcast. My favorite two are uh, Elkington and uh, Goggins. Elk is a trip, and Goggins, man, I want to jump out of the plane with him. Dude, you uh, you turned this light on in my head. I don't not much of the sports, but since I found you, man, I've, I've watched the game for a little bit, but I just can't wait for the week to begin to hear your take. Man, keep up the good work. Message saved. Next message. Holy crap, Jim Rome. This is Scotty Burrell, the second best radio show on radio. Holy crap, man. I heard you on Woodscopes this week. Holy crap, man. You were awesome. You were solid as a rock. Holy crap, you were so good. Love you, dude. Out. Message deleted. Next message. Hey, Jim. It's Caitlin in North College. Just doing some dishes here Sunday morning. Just wanted to thank you so much for doing the wood scopes on Friday night with 12 Wood. Um, it was just super awesome. I had a smile on my face the whole time during the interview. And just really love um, how you did that for 12 Wood and the, and the clones as well. And um, especially liked how you spoke so highly of your wife, Janet, and your family. Um, you're a really good family man, and um, that's something I really appreciate about you. And I know that's something my mom likes about you, too. Message saved. Next message. Hey, Jim. Amy from Montana. Raiders are going to win the 2019 Super Bowl. Yay. Message saved. Next message. Is Serena Williams still complaining? Message deleted. Next message. Hey, Romy, what's up? This is David in Buffalo. I never... And I mean ever want to see Nathan Peterman playing again at quarterback for the Buffalo Bills. That guy sucks. He is horrendous. John in New York's smack-off call was better than Peterman's effort. Message saved. Next message. Hey, Jim. Hey, Hawk. It's Andy from Rockland. So I just listened to you on the Woodscopes, and um, it was awesome just to let you know. Uh, there's no such thing as a 12-wood. I like him. I like the interview, but I want to know why he calls himself 12-wood. All right. Thanks, Andy, out from Rockland. I loved your interview. I almost caught a little bit of teary-eyed there, Jim. Love you. Bye. Message saved. You have no more messages. Okay. Picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.